0: Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, Dudley delfts on exploring the life and faith of Queen Elizabeth II.
1: Billy Graham talks in his autobiography about their friendship and that no one in the United Kingdom had ever been warmer or kinder or more considerate of him and his ministry throughout his life and that he he enjoyed the way they corresponded. He enjoyed her curiosity about the Bible and asking his opinion. What do you think this passage means? Or what's the implication of of what Jesus says here? Dudley Delfs
0: next. The late Queen Elizabeth II, the longest reigning monarch in British history, for many was the definition of stability, faithfulness, and dignity. Throughout all her many triumphs and trials, biographer and professor Dr. Dudley Delft says Queen Elizabeth credited her personal faith in Jesus Christ as the steadying anchor to her life and reign. Dudley is author of the 2019 book, The Faith of Queen Elizabeth, The Poise, Grace, and Quiet Strength Behind the Crown. Dudley, why did you want to specifically look at her faith?
1: Great question, because she might not be one of the first people one thinks of in terms of being um, iconic or, you know, uh, leading the the charge in terms of the Christian faith. Mm -hmm. And yet she intrinsically has that as part of her duties and royal roles, if you will. And one of the things I admired was just the way here's this iconic leader who has this incredible historical tradition behind her, And really, you know, all kinds of wealth and and prestige and and so on. And yet throughout her 70-year reign, Queen Elizabeth II, always with humility, brought up her faith, brought up her trust in Christ, and made it clear that she needed prayer and that she relied on God and that she viewed her duty to God foremost and the service That she had for her subjects.
0: How did you go about, when you think of researching a person, a person's life, that's one thing, but researching something as really as personal or as private as their faith is something else. How did you go about researching her faith? Kind of like looking at facets on a diamond, I would
1: imagine. It was the most challenging project I've ever researched Hmm. or written. There's a wealth of information you can find out all kinds of information and yet of course the queen does not grant private audiences and i of course was reminded of that and did not expect that and so i just simply immersed myself in as much factual history as possible and um then i spent about a month in the united kingdom confirming a lot of that research and then interviewing people who have had an audience with the queen or who um, are involved with um, the royal family in some way. But I also ended up interviewing a lot of just everyday citizens, a lot of subjects who, you know, various ages, various stations of life, and getting their perspective on the queen and her faith.
0: What were, uh, if you could touch on one or two of the most significant ones of people that either, well, particularly those that were close to her?
1: Yes, um, the individuals who are close to her We're all very um, clear about what a warm, um, funny, welcoming, humble person Queen Elizabeth II was. That, yes, she's very dignified. She's very uh, much aware of her role. But yet, as a person, as a human being, as a, a fellow believer... She, you know, just exuded a kind of warmth and acceptance and curiosity about other people that they often found surprising or disarming.
0: And what would the connection be to her faith? How would that? How would the, those observations connect to to her faith?
1: I think the way those observations connect to her faith is simply evidence of of how she lives out those beliefs, and the fact that you know she could certainly be much more um, guarded or protected or egotistical. Mm. But yet the individuals who encounter her directly and personally, you know, all would share that she made them feel at ease as much as possible and um, really welcomed them and really wanted to know them um, and to be, kind to them and to do what she could for them. I mean, she was um, the patron of more than 600 charities and nonprofit organizations. And um, this is my opinion, but, you know, the ones where I see her perhaps being the most active or the most engaged, shall we say, really did focus on ministry.
0: Can you give an example or two? Of such, uh... so the best
1: example. The best example I can think of, and this is the one I, I begin the book with, mm-hmm. is an organization called Scripture Union, which is an international interdenominational organization, primarily focused on equipping and training and providing scripture for young people and those in educational uh, facilities. And um, you know, the, the the Queen was very involved. Um, showed up at a very tiny church in East London for the 150th anniversary celebration of the organization, had no royal role, simply wanted to go and observe, knew she couldn't just sneak in the back row, but Mm -hmm. nonetheless just enjoyed being there and worshiping with these many people celebrating Scripture Union um, in honor of their 150th. And, her 90th birthday, she also agreed to actively participate in a publication called Her Majesty the Queen and the King She Serves. And, it, it, you know, I, I when I first read that, Bill, I was just amazed. I loved it. I mean, you, she couldn't be more transparent in her opening letter. And then the, the other writers involved in giving examples of her faith and how that plays out you know, just did a marvelous job. So, you know, that's one of the best examples I can think of.
0: And and so she was always, always very careful of of the context in which she did things. She was always the queen. She was always, uh, she always realized that England is a country of tremendous religious diversity. And yet, when the timing was appropriate, she, such as attending that one hundredth anniversary of Scripture Union, she was there. She did not have to go there. No, no, they were. She was not expected to be there. And right. statements that she made about her belief in Jesus Christ, she was simply stating what she believed, but not criticizing anyone else's beliefs.
1: Exactly, and and that is one of the traits that I admire most about Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth the She was very inclusive, and as the Christian church seemed to wane and struggle, and perhaps a lot of um, younger uh, people, younger generations fell away from the church or didn't see it as relevant, she never criticized or, you know, evangelized in the traditional sense of, of, you know, trying to get people back in the church. Instead, she focused on the common qualities that we share in our faith, in our beliefs, in our humanity, and did it in such a, a welcoming way that, you know, people of various faiths um, felt included and felt seen. And that's not always the case, of course, with, with leaders. And so I just I just found that very striking, that instead of trying to focus on what's missing or what's different – Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II instead brought people together, focused on what we shared, and enjoyed the differences.
0: So she didn't make any, uh, that you know of, any outward comment about the, if you will, the decline of membership of the Church of England? In other words, I think it went down into low single digits uh, during her reign.
1: Um, Yeah, I I don't know exactly, you know, um, how 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 many people or how how what the numbers are bill but i um to my knowledge she did not comment mm. on that or you know include that it was always um it was always more positive and it was always more um, respectful i think because you know the united kingdom and the commonwealth of nations i mean it it has a very broad diversity And I mean, she would often address people of various faiths Mm -hmm. and 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 sometimes would even mention, even if you have no faith at all, will you join me in supporting or hoping or, um, you know, volunteering or whatever the case might be? So I I love that. I mean, she wasn't um, you know, she wasn't what you expected or at least what I expected.
0: Well, the book is the Faith of Queen Elizabeth: the Poise, Grace, and Quiet Strength behind the Crown. My guest is the author, Dr. Dudley Delfs, and of course, uh, the Queen, when she was alive, was the head of the Church of England w- what What did that mean? What did that role encompass? I know she took it more than
1: just a ceremonial role Yes, she did take it take it um, further than um, her predecessors the The irony, the incredible. The incredible irony about Her Majesty the Queen being the defender of the faith and head of the Anglican Church in the United Kingdom is that the title, that role, was created or given to King Henry VIII back in the 13th century by the Catholic Pope, and then about 13 years later, when King Henry Broke with the Catholic Church, and you know, because he wanted to remarry, etc., and on and on, um, he decided he would keep that title and, and reinvent it for himself with his new creation, uh, the Anglican Church. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was granted first by the Catholic Church, and um, basically because of service that. Henry VIII had done in promoting and protecting the, the core virtues and values of the Catholic Church at that time. And then, of course, you know, things changed very quickly. And about 13 years later, you know, he, he breaks with the Catholic Church, massive historical change, and yet um, still viewed the role of the monarch as essential to the function of the church. <sighs>
0: Of course, ultimately, and you point this out in your book, uh, Dudley, that only God could know what was in the Queen's heart or anyone's heart. I mean, as we uh, talk about the faith of people, we can see their behavior, we can hear what they say. I think the evangelical Christian listener will wonder, did you see in her life uh, evidence of, of, of such a faith, of a personal faith in
1: Jesus Christ? Absolutely. yes. And again, you're absolutely right. We, you know, no one can know what's in someone's heart. Only, only God, only the Holy Spirit knows. Mm-hmm. And and I felt I felt very intimidated and certainly humbled to even try to yeah. look at um, the Queen's faith. And 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 yet, it's very clear that she maintained a personal faith throughout her life. I mean, even in her childhood, being raised in the church prayer and Bible reading and Bible study being a regular part of her routine with her sister Margaret when um, she was growing up, and then, um, you know, when she became the monarch on her father's death, she was only 25, and then a year later, coronated at 26, and in both of those instances, requested prayer and said, I can't do this. I can only do it with the help of God. And um, and your support, her subject support, you know, and then, you know, I think about instances um, of her various relationships, like with uh, the Reverend Billy Graham. They struck up, surprisingly enough, this unique friendship and just had this deep abiding respect and admiration for one another. Billy Graham talks in his autobiography about their friendship, and that no one in the United Kingdom had ever been warmer or kinder or more considerate of him and his ministry throughout his life, and that he he enjoyed mm. the way they corresponded. He enjoyed her curiosity about the Bible and asking his opinion, what do you think this passage means, or what's the implication of, of, of what Jesus says here? So, uh, you know, again, a very private person, in the sense of trying to, you know, maintain her her personal life and her her personal faith, as opposed to making it always public or a photo opportunity or something, you know, to promote her brand. That was not that was not what she was doing, and I I admire and appreciate that.
0: And yet, as you said, uh, she was certainly at least. Uh, the way it was depicted in the Netflix series *The Crown*, that she was very supportive of Billy Graham during those series of crusades that were held
1: in London. Yes, yes, absolutely, and that the the Crown I think does uh, depict historically their first interactions. He, um, uh, Billy Graham, had come to London for his very first tour, and um, you know a lot of promotion was on on the television. And the Queen saw him and had known something about him, and although they came from different faith backgrounds, different national cultures, she really could see his integrity and his sincerity and the depth he had. And so she invited him to come and preach at Windsor Castle in the private chapel for the family, Mm. and he did, and he stayed for lunch, and there is clear historical evidence that they may have had a private conversation even. Um, apart from from the the sermon and the luncheon. And I don't doubt, over the years, they did have personal conversations uh, about matters of faith.
0: Well, the book is The Faith of Queen Elizabeth, The Poise, Grace, and Quiet Strength Behind the Crown. I'm talking with the author, Dr. Dudley Dels. Uh, he's written widely. He's a biographer, a poet. He's been an English professor. Uh, as we look at, at her faith, uh, Dudley, is it possible? Did you get a sort of a sense of her core Christian convictions? It, it, can, can you sort of summarize or sketch out what you would see as the core? of her faith? Is that possible?
1: I'll do my best, Bill. Yeah. I, I I think one of the core principles or values to the faith of Queen Elizabeth II would be that basic essence of, of hope, daring to hope for the best, not just in a way that's you know positive or upbeat, but in a way that is sincere and, and totally reliant on God. In 2002 – Queen Elizabeth II lost both her sister, Princess Margaret, as well as her mother, the the Queen Mother. And, you know, it it was just a devastating loss. Mm -hmm. I mean, shortly after that, Windsor Castle had a big fire. Her children began going through some very public divorces and scandals and so forth. And so, she was like any human being, you know, in terms of being directly affected and devastated by these losses and by the, the, the pain and became, I think, more transparent and more direct about her faith. In her Christmas address that year in 2002, she says, yes, it's been a hard year, and the only way I know to move forward is to rely on my faith in Jesus Christ. And so I'm thinking, can't get much clearer than that. And this is the queen of the United Kingdom mm-hmm. and, you know, a, a worldwide figure of, of, you know, authority and, and history. And I just find that incredibly um, vulnerable for her to acknowledge that when, of course, she could simply maintain, you know, the, the, um, being the figurehead, if you will, of the church.
0: I'm wondering, you mentioned Billy Graham, of course, and certainly Jesus. Did she have other Christian influences? Uh, I'm thinking particularly of, of those in England that she admired. I mean, there were so many. I mean, there was William Wilberforce and others, but are there some that she'd spoken of?
1: Well, she certainly did admire historically the, 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 the British figures in history known for their faith. Um, I, I think what I ended up being intrigued by was her... Her desire to connect with leaders and figures in, in in other faith traditions, you know, maintaining relationships with the uh, Pope of the Catholic Church of the time, um, whether that's Pope John Paul II or Pope Francis, um, meeting with Mother Teresa, mm-hmm. wanting to see people and and you know acknowledge and celebrate what they're doing, even if it did not exactly align with the the beliefs of the Anglican Church and again I, I'm thinking well that's what Jesus would do Jesus always saw people and always saw people who were often overlooked by other people and I think the Queen did that well and not just with famous figures or, or figures publicly known but you um, individuals who would, you know, um, doctors, medical workers, um, you know, frontline responders. I mean, she loved to engage with them and find out what, what their heart was, what what motivated them to serve, and to see how their faith would intersect.
0: Didn't she speak of her, her time as queen, her reign as service, as serving others, which for many people that would be sort of oxymoronic uh, you think of the queen and service those words may not go together but she saw her 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 reign her her uh, role there as
1: serving people very much so bill um i think in part she drew on the example of her great grandmother queen victoria in the 19th century but certainly the example of her own father king george the sixth in terms of recognizing the duty of the monarch is appointed by God to serve, not to benefit, not to promote self, but to serve God in this very unique capacity, yes, that has history and has various facets to its authority, but foremost to maintain the faith and the reliance on God through all the tremendous changes and technologies and personal crises and and public and world crises. And to do that in a a spotlight when everyone from every sector is is watching and, of course, criticizing and so forth, um, to maintain the respect of so many different people the way she did, I think the only answer is her faith in God.
0: Of course, in a British context, this question would be obvious, but over here um, in the United States, it's more of a curiosity. Of course, England has Parliament, they have a Prime Minister. What is the role of the Queen?
1: I think as as um, Americans, as, as residents of the United States, it's difficult to appreciate the complex mm-hmm. layers of the constitutional monarchy by which the United Kingdom is run the two ways I think about it, you know, there, there was a historian named Walter Badgett in the 19th century, and he talked about, um, you know, there's the, the functional part of the monarchy, the, uh, I mean, of the, of the constitution. There's the functional part, there's parliament, the prime minister, representatives, and so forth. And then, you know, in addition to the efficiency of that part, there is the dignified part and the dignified part is the monarch. And the monarch is, is basically the the glue that holds everything together. Hmm. And so the queen's role was to maintain a, a steady constant stability. And so, yes, you know, politics would change. Social events would change. She, I believe, I can't remember the number. I want to say 15 different prime ministers, by the time she hmm. passed away, but in in each case, you know, her job was not to, to tell them what to do or how to do it, but simply to be a listener, a sounding board, a, a uh, you know, someone who could support them, even if she disagreed with them, because she trusted that they had the best interests of the people of the United Kingdom at heart.
0: And her her profession of her faith in terms of its intersection with her role as queen goes back to Coronation Day, as you write, in
1: 1953? Absolutely. And, you know, I, I was thinking as I, I watched Queen Elizabeth II's funeral service, which I also thought was very striking in its presentation of the gospel and recognition of her lifelong personal faith. But as I was watching her funeral service, I was thinking about... Um, it's it's fairly widely known and, and accepted that she did not want her coronation ceremony televised, hmm. and yet you know it was it was um, the '50s, and television, of course, is the is the new media, and it would allow for the most um, the the most viewers, the most people to engage with this massive change, and so she allowed it with one exception, and that was that there would be. No coverage of the actual anointing of her as the monarch by the Archbishop of Canterbury. This tradition that goes back centuries where he anoints her and gives her God's charge for how she will rule and serve. And she wanted that. She viewed that as very private and between her and God. You know, and so, you know, they maintained a screen and just kind of panned upward during the actual anointing. But to me, that spoke a lot about the tension she endured. She wanted to serve, she wanted to be accessible and available to her subjects, and yet she knew she had to maintain that personal faith as the source of her service.
0: Of course, one um, aspect of the Christian faith of, of many people is. Is attendance at worship services? What about uh, Queen Elizabeth? And,
1: and did she oh, attend worship service? Oh yes, she attended. Um, no pun intended. She attended religiously, I mean, she <laughs> attended with great regularity. Mm-hmm. I mean, even on holiday or at Balmoral, when she would be on summer holiday in Scotland, I mean, <clears> going to church it was it was just in the fabric of her lifestyle and her life and um i i hope to see and there is indication that you know that will be maintained by king charles the third her successor but um it wasn't so much a you know a regimented obligation for her it was a personal opportunity to engage with the god she's serving And, you know, again, I just appreciate that kind of of commitment and that kind of spiritual discipline that, that I want to do this, because there are other monarchs through history that, you know, yes, they're head of the church, but they weren't particularly engaged or fervent about attendance and participation,
0: well, the book is The Faith of Queen Elizabeth, The Poise, Grace, and Quiet Strength Behind the Crown. My guest is the author, Dr. Dudley Delswell. Dudley, as uh, people read this, and there are many, obviously, wonderful stories and accounts and anecdotes throughout the book, what would you like this portrait, your painting of the faith of Queen Elizabeth, what would you like people to come away with as they set it down?
1: Bill, I would love for people to come away from looking at the faith of Queen Elizabeth II with a a sense of not just admiration but a sense of knowing that they have something to contribute no matter how high or how low they may view their position in in the culture or their their community the queen always challenged her subjects and her admirers to dare to hope to dare to serve Others in need, that you always have something that you can give, just as Christ gave everything so that we could have life. And so, I, I that's one of the most compelling lessons. And, and seeing, you know, now kind of the fullness of her life, I, I think it's a life well lived. I, I think her faithfulness as God's servant is very evident.
0: You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to today's guest, Dr. Dudley Delfs, author of The Faith of Queen Elizabeth, the poise, grace, and quiet strength behind the crown. Coming up on tomorrow's program, it's Helen Smallbone, the mother of Christian music artists Rebecca St. James, and for King and Country, on her adventure of moving her family from Australia to the U.S.
1: And so my hope was That if I tell our story as blatantly and as honestly as I can, that other people are going to look at their stories and think, he was only asking us to. Yeah. I think we could probably do that.
0: That's tomorrow at the same time right here on His People. Thanks for listening.